Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf This is Jeremy Kalinowski. Today we're studying Safin, page Nun, or 50. We're concluding the third chapter of the tractate and beginning the fourth. Uh, the third chapter will continue on the agadic, that is non-legal, homiletical passages that we did on the previous page, although we'll blessedly leave behind the really you know, mean and nasty descriptions of non-rabbinic culture that the sages give us. They really don't like the Ame Haaretz, or the common people. And we'll move into some different, uh, different descriptions of the homiletical material. And then we'll begin the next chapter, which is about the power of custom. I'll actually save the Mishnah for the most part until tomorrow because it's more uh, it's more on point for the, for the discussion. I'll only note that when the fourth chapter begins, uh, we're dealing with the question of whether or not people should do work on the eve of Passover, and that will lead us to a number of interesting points. Ultimately, it will lead us to the power of local custom as it relates to law, but it will also bring up a couple of interesting uh, items that I think were bear mentioning. One is that uh, it describes that there are some people who do that worthy thing of not working on the eve of Passover, but it's not because they're religious, it's because they're lazy. In fact, they don't work very much the rest of the week either, and describes those as the, uh, as the lazy women who, uh, who are, even though they're not, um, not doing so out of religious uh, conviction or anything, they're just lazy, uh, they, were still, they are still to be rewarded. They are, uh, they are shafel v'niskar. Uh, and that leads us to an important point in the Talmudic mindset, which is in the middle of the Beth job of this page. Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav Le'olam Yasot Adam Batorah Ulemitzvot Afalti Shelo Lishma Shemitok Shelo Lishma Baal Lishma. A person should always do study Torah and do commandment, even for ulterior motives. In this case, they're just lazy, but. From a place of ulteriority, they will ultimately hit a place of the right motives. So, and that is that's true about the rabbi's view in general. Another Talmudic passage says, "No, no. If you study for ulterior motives, it's better that you were never born." But the rabbis, the over the interpretive uh, tradition through centuries, they say, "Well, what that means is, if you're only studying Torah to engage in nastiness and polemics and almanat lekaver, just to just to show show off or just to be argumentative." That person is better never created, but just a person who's trying to, you know, gain the public esteem or something like that. That's not a good motive, but if you start off with a bad motive, you'll ultimately have a good motive. From that, we talk about uh, other people who, who will do work, but they really, they really shouldn't do work. And it's actually a very interesting item here near the bottom of that page. It says that the sages prefer that those who make tefillin and mezuzot, the ritual, uh, the ritual prayer boxes and the mezuzah on the doorstep, of course, they hope they don't get too rich, because if they get too rich, they won't do work, and they won't make mezuzah, they won't make tefillin, and where will we are tefillin come from? It struck me as weird that they pray, they literally prayed and fasted, but they, they're not, they not doing too well in business, but it was strange that the rabbis would pray against the parnasah, 
against the, uh, the economic well-being of their fellow Jews, but so we have it for public utility. Now, to return back to the A side of the patient, this is a really rich homiletical material. One is the story of uh, Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi Yehuda Yoshua ben Levi, who gets sick and falls into a coma and nearly, nearly dies, although he, he comes back to life in this passage, he doesn't die. And when he comes back, his father asks him, what did you see? And he says, I saw an upside-down world. Those on top end up on the bottom, and those on the bottom end up on top. So, olam hafuk re'ivi, it's not upside-down world. And his son, his father says to him, son, Bini olam barur re'ivi, you saw the true world. Now, this is a nice agadah, a nice little piece of lore, saying that, you know, this world with its with its values is a little bit upside down, but if you were right at the edge of death and life and you could see into heaven, you would see, see the Ghanaian, and you would see the real values of people who are not esteemed in this world are esteemed in the next world and vice versa. You know, rich rich business people, blah, 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 they don't, they allegedly wouldn't have the right values. Well, you know what, in the next world, it all comes out in the wash. Uh, that's the nice, this is a nice simple reading that is a values inversion. However, I would actually note that there are some other versions of this that are uh, a little bit more mythic, and there, there are uh, versions of this that when you look into the other world, what you literally see is people upside down with their feet above and their heads below. But the most wonderful Agatic passage is at the bottom of that olive page, 850a, uh, an exposition of the well-known verse. We know it from the end of Alenu. It's actually from the book of Zechariah. On that future coming day, God will be one and his name one. And the rabbis ask the obvious question. What do you mean one day God's name will be one? There's name not one now. The next world is not like this world. The divine name, as we know in this world, is written Yud Hei Bab Hei. But we, even back in, in Talmudic times, let's call it the year maybe 300 or so, quote unquote, we uh, pronounce the word Adonai. We don't say the word Yud Hei Bab Hei. Avale Olam Haba Kulo Echad Nikrah Yud Hei. Yud Hei. But in the world to come, we will pronounce the name as it is written. Now, this is a really interesting. To me, really interesting theological trope, it is to say that we have a relationship with God in this world. As it were, we can look on the page and see yud heh this name which signifies the total being of God, but in this world, which is occluded, it's dark, it's, it's, it's not transparent, we can't really name that reality. And so we mispronounce it, as it were, intentionally mispronounce this name which simply means being. yud he simply means, it's kind of a non-grammatical form of the word, just to be, God is being. And we call that name Lord. Good, good to call the name Lord. But from a theological perspective, it's also a little bit of a sense that we can't fully name God in this world. So the Gemara goes on. But, but in the world to come, then that yud he ness that, that beingness of God, will become transparent and available for people to say. Uh, the Gemara goes on, Savar Rabba Lamidrashab Dutirka. Rabba, who was lived in, again, around the year 350 or so, 
maybe a little bit early, but maybe maybe the latter latter bit of the third century, earliest part of the fourth century, intended to explain the name in public. He obviously had a tradition of how to pronounce Yod Hey Vav Hey. Academic people will have their own way of saying it, although I don't say that name. Um, it's in the U2 song Y A H W E H. I don't pronounce that name. But Rava was going to explain how to how to say the name in public lecture. Amarle Hahusabah, and some elder came to him and noted that the word, when in Exodus chapter 3, God says, This is my name forever, Le'olam, Zeshmi Le'olam, it's actually written with a defective spelling, as to say the Vav and Olam is missing, and he reads it, this, this Saba, this elder, reads it to Rabbi and says, Le'olam Le'alem, this is my name not forever, but to conceal, that is to say, God wants the name concealed. That's the nature of religious life in this world. The divine name is a little concealed. Rav Avina Rami Ktiv, Rav Avina brought two verses in juxtaposition. Zeshmi le'olam, zezikri le'dor-dor. This is my name, le'olam, forever. Zezikri le'dor-dor, this is my, this is my mention, this is my, uh, as it were, way to speak about me from generation to generation. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, lok shani nikhtab, ani nikhtab. My name, as it is written, is not how is it, it is pronounced. Nikhtab Ani Biyudhe. I've written Biyudhe, uh, but I pronounced the Aladalad Zeshmi Le'alem. This is my name that is to be concealed. Thanks for studying today with me, and I look forward again to studying with you. Great day tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.